0: A win in Georgia expands Democrats' majority in the U.S. Senate, but the party loses a member in Arizona. And the U.S. trades the world's most notorious arms dealer for a wrongly detained basketball superstar. For analysis of this week's news, Brooks and Capehart. That is columnist David Brooks and Jonathan Capehart. David Brooks with the New York Times. (laughs) And Jonathan Capehart, who's an editor at the Washington Post. It's so good to have both of you. We want to make sure we get your titles right. I
1: thought I'd been (laughs) fired there for a minute. Just just
0: in case the audience forgets. So, a lot of news this week uh, that we want to try to tackle. David, let's start with Kirsten Sinema. Um, She, some say it's not entirely. A surprise, but she now has left the Democratic Party. She's going to be an independent. Uh, She says she's not going to caucus with Republicans. But what does this mean for the for the dynamic in the Senate?
1: I don't think it means all that much. Um, She had been independent all along. She was sometimes a vote and sometimes not a vote. Uh, And she's going to still get her committee assignments. So I think it'll be pretty much. Uh, With minor differences, pretty much the same. I think, as Lisa mentioned earlier in the program, it affects 2024 for her race back home. And that's what strikes me. It's sort of a bold move. Basically, I think, if you want one strat calculation, it could be this, that she thought she has no chance against Ruben Gallego in a Democratic primary. So she goes to the Democratic Party, the National Democratic Party, and say, I'm going to run independent. I'm going to split the Democratic vote, and you will get your Republican senator. So you've got to do for me what you do for Angus King in Maine, independent Maine, and Bernie Sanders in Vermont. No don't run, don't run against me. So it's basically holding the hostage, party hostage. But if
2: there's anybody who could do it, it's her. <laughs> I was <gonna> say, I'm <laughs> party hostage again. A
0: little bit of that before yeah. now. Uh, <laughs> How do you read it? What is it
2: say? Well, I read it the same way the same way David does. And to, since we're quoting people who were on in the first block talking about uh, cinema, I, I, I'm going to quote Stephanie Sai, who she said. You know, Senator Sinema broke up with the Democratic Party before it broke up with her, and it made me think of Missy Elliott, um, who had the lyric "I broke up with him before he dumped me." So she did the she did Sinema did the same thing, but it's not going to change anything. Mm. She still, as David said, she still has her committee assignments. She also said, "I'm still going to vote for uh, political appointments and judges and ambassadors." So nothing changes. Yeah.
1: I would say the one thing. I mean, this is a country with a rising group of independents. And you're not only seeing that on the ground, you're beginning to see it in the, in the Senate. There are three. Uh, Lisa Murkowski is kind of an independent. Uh, and so uh, I, I do think it reflects something that's deeper in the country, that there are just a lot of people who are sick of both parties. Yeah. And th- this kind of rhetoric that she has appeals to a group, not a huge group in Arizona, apparently, but, but it appeals to a
0: group. And that was what she said, right? Part of her statement, right? That's what she said, and
2: that's part of her statement. But I'm not going to give her all of that credit, (laughs) David. That she's doing this because you know she's representing this bigger part of the country. I do buy the argument that Senator Sinema's uh, action today was more about her and her political future. And the uh, the ability of Senator Sinema to hold that seat than it did this overall thinking that well there's a movement out there for independence and I'm going to go out there and lead them from the great state of Arizona. Not buying that.
0: You're not. You're you're not suggesting crass politics could have been. Oh,
2: I couldn't possibly. Okay,
0: well, (laughs) speaking while we're on the topic of the Senate, there was an important runoff election, David, this week, as we know, in Georgia, Uh, and Raphael Warnock, the Democrat, hung on by a couple of points uh, to that, several points to that, to that seat. It's now been three days. Uh, What does the result tell you about about Mr. Warnock, Reverend Warnock, about Georgia? About
1: the and about the two parties, right now. Uh, well, you would objectively, take aside ideology. Warnock ran a good campaign, has been a pretty effective senator, and Herschel Walker ran a completely terrible campaign. <laughs> and so, it's a sign that candidate quality still does matter. I'm glad for that. Um, and it's a sign that there's some sort of we never count Donald Trump out, but there seems to be some sort of continued degeneracy. Uh, not only his candidates doing so bad on election night, but doing bad this week. Uh, He has allegedly mounted a campaign for president without actually doing anything. There are no rallies. He hasn't done anything. Uh, And then the wackadoodle comments and the dinners and all that stuff. um, I think Republicans are looking at him and wondering. And I wouldn't, you know, as I say, I still think he's likely to get the nomination. But there's some sort of. You do
0: still think it's likely?
1: I think it's more likely than not. But I think it's less likely than I thought uh, two weeks ago.
2: Interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I want to keep talking about Senator, Senator Warnock, who, the, the race was maddeningly close, even on election night, swinging back and forth. But I do think uh, Democrats were reasonably confident that he would eke it out, because he did travel. He didn't depend on Atlanta for to, to get the votes. He traveled all around the all around the state um, to to red districts and just gave those voters the courtesy of at least asking for their vote, but at least listen to what I have to say. He ran a positive campaign, uh, especially during the general election, when people were trying to get him to talk about the travails of Herschel Walker. He spent all of his time talking about, here's how I worked with senators from the other side to compromise, to do things for Georgians. And he wasn't afraid to do all of that while standing firmly on capital D Democratic values, not running away from the fact that he was a Democrat or is a Democrat, Mm -hmm. and asking people, hey, give me your vote, give me a full term, and look at what I will be able to do. And and on the side of Herschel Walker, uh, uh, yeah, Herschel Walker, it's a cynical ploy by Republicans to put up. a, a black man to run against a black man who was woefully unqualified to be a member of the Senate, thinking that all they had to do was put up another black man, and that would be enough to siphon off enough African-American votes to, to help them get over the top. And what we saw on in the runoff is that that didn't pay off. In fact, they insulted a lot of
0: people. And um and, and on Herschel Walker, I noticed, David, that in his concession speech, he seemed to be separating himself from Donald Trump. Interestingly, he made the comment about, <laughs> "We should uphold the Constitution. We should respect elected officials." Did you make anything of that?
1: Things are bad for Trump. Herschel Walker <laughs> is separating. I himself from him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he he can do that now, maybe as a sort of reputation repair. But yeah. you think of the scandals, the abortion scandals, the children, the. Weird things he said about vampires or whatever, it, and werewolves. Just, the werewolves. Yeah. It, it was just like a campaign like no other, and and it was cynical to put somebody up that transparent. I mean, this is not secret who Herschel Walker is. Uh, uh, it was cynical for them to put him. And,
2: and I I would add, he did something else that um, that Donald Trump has never done. He took responsibility. Yeah. He said we we ran a race and we came up short. And that's on, me. that's on me. That was breathtaking.
0: And he said, res- respect the results. Right, right. Um, another major uh, development this week, of course, was uh, David, was the return of Brittany Griner, superstar, women's national basketball, uh, WNBA um, superstar. Um, she'd been held for most of this year in Russia, traded for a notorious arms dealer, Victor Boot. What do you make of the administration? Well, you've heard their explanation that they, it was either it was either this or nothing. Um, what do you make of the decision to do this? The optics of it, the reality of it.
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody feels great about it. I mean, her crime was what a few ounces of marijuana, and his crime was arms dealing people that kill to people who kill Americans and others. So it's not an equal case. But I think there's a fundamental rule that if somebody has an American passport, you bring them home. And you you don't like it because you know dealing with Vladimir Putin is never a pleasure. Uh, somebody said he punches you in the nose and then asks to negotiate. Uh, but I think the Biden administration did the right thing, which is to get an American citizen home. And I wish they'd gotten Paul Whelan home. Uh, my paper has a, a new story on how complicated that arrangement was. The Russians wanted somebody who an assassin who was in German hands. And the Americans tried to get the Germans to give that person back so we could get both our people. And the Germans said, no, he's an assassin. We're not going to give back an assassin. Uh, And so there was a long, complicated negotiations. I think the Justice Department didn't want to do it. The White House wanted to do it. So this is all super complicated. uh, But still, to have an American home is better than nothing.
2: Uh, I agree with David, but I just want to just correct a little bit. It, it wasn't marijuana; it was cannabis oil in a yeah, in a vape. I stand corrected. So yeah, I stand corrected. There's a, a big difference. But yeah, it's great that she's home. And imagine what what re, how the American people would have felt if they'd found out that that the administration had an opportunity to bring an American home and they didn't take that take that chance. Um, it would be a whole different conversation tonight.
0: A lot of conversation uh, about speaking of that, uh, Jonathan, about whether <clears throat> the fact that she was black, she is black, mm-hmm. she's a woman, uh, did Lesbian that have an effect? And, in, yes, in yes.
2: lends too. Yes. In, in Russia, where they're debating, yeah. uh, you know, LGBTQ lives uh, in, in that country. That you know, as someone who's black and and an out gay man, you know, I feared for her. Uh, on top of just an American citizen being behind bars in in a totalitarian state, absolutely,
0: David. What does it say? Do you think? I mean, you're, I, I hear what you say about if if it was if it was if we learn that the government had not taken advantage of mm-hmm. this, but does it send a signal that um, the U.S. will accept, you know, the worst kind of trade? To get its citizens.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the thing you worry about in these cases, and it, it happens all the time in the Middle East, with, when terrorists take hostages, is does it reward kidnapping? Basically, does it reward hostage taking? And I do think there's some moral hazard there, probably. But my argument against that would be like, Vladimir Putin is not waffling on whether to be a bad guy. <laughs> he's going <laughs> to do what he's going to do, and so us making this deal is or. Is not going to encourage him to do more brutal stuff. He's going to do more brutal stuff. And so at least we got a human being home out of unjust prison. So I do accept the moral hazard. I do accept why the Justice Department doesn't like this. It doesn't exactly serve the cause of justice. But sometimes people are more important.
2: And, and you know what? We should also not forget um, the statement put out by Paul Whalen's family, which I thought was incredibly gracious in you know, celebrating Brittany Griner's return, but also talking about the fact that they appreciate the administration doing everything it can to bring Paul home. I, I was waiting to hear what the family was going to say and how they said it. And um, you know, I was relieved, because these are, very, these are very emotional, tense things. You want your loved one to come home and to find out that they were this, possibly this close to getting them home, and that didn't happen. I would have understood if they put out an incendiary statement against the president, and yet they didn't.
0: And the administration says they're continuing to work hard on winning his release, but he's been there since 2018,
1: yeah. as we said. And we do hope the people who got Brittany Graner out will continue to work to get right. Paul Whalen out.
0: For sure. David Brooks, Jonathan Capehart, thank you both. Thanks, Judy. Thank you.